Brothers and sisters, happy Sunday. And Merry Christmas. Thank you. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, descend, we pray, like a dove. With your Holy Spirit, inspire us, Lord, and make holy this season of revelation and light. In your powerful name we pray. Amen. I've seen uh, probably 12 or 13 miracles in my career. I usually see at least one miracle each year. And the wintertime is an excellent time to be looking for miracles because they're a little bit easier to spot. The light is a little bit clearer. Uh, there are so many leaves on the trees. Um, they're out there. People don't believe in them, but it doesn't make any difference to God. God has sent revelation into the world at times when nobody believed. Um, when Prophet Elijah was doing his important work, uh, Prophet Elijah was the only person who believed in God on the face of the planet. So God is faithful, uh, regardless of how we feel. I saw a miracle once at a very small church out in the country, in the American Mid-South, a little church in a little town. I was passing through for a season of my life, uh, helping them um, steady the ship, as it were. And I had gone to their church on a Sunday morning just like this, and afterwards we all went downstairs to eat some food, just as we do, very similar uh, setting. And in the corner of the church, I saw a handful of teenagers all eagerly working on some kind of art project. And I'm suspicious of teenagers as a general rule, especially where two or more are gathered. <laughs> I went up to them, I said, what are you, what are you doing? So we're making a birthday card for Sam. Sam is a student at our school. And I said out of curiosity, how many students do you have at your high school? And they said, there are 40 of us. Uh, roughly 10 or so in each of the four grades. I thought that that was perfectly lovely. Uh, and I said to one of the parents of the teenagers, is Sam a a child who attends this church. Um, there were only four or five churches in the whole town, and given that there were so many teenagers at our church, they were doing statistically a very good job with their youth ministry. And they said, no, Sam is very severely disabled. Uh, Sam has Down syndrome. And Sam's favorite thing is to get a birthday card on his birthday. And I realized I had just been a party to a miracle. I don't know how much you know about teenagers. They aren't, um, they aren't always the kindest people to children with disabilities at their schools. These kids had taken this project on themselves. I said, do you know that that's a miracle? The deacon looked at me and said, each of them is. Several years ago, there was a terrible uh, natural disaster here in Michigan. We had a winter storm, uh, once in a century kind of storm. In the town I was living in, there were about 1,400 people sleeping in the streets. They lived in camps, all spread out through town. And the hospital system was preparing for many of them 
to be admitted during that storm and die. In this town, people died out in the cold every year. I called the Red Cross. I said, this is natural disaster, isn't it? You're the American Red Cross. You serve refugees. This is a calamity. If it was a tornado or a hurricane, you would surely come in with your trucks and tents and the National Guard. And they said, yes, we serve refugees. Homeless Americans are not refugees. I said, I'm sorry, what? And they said, refugee status is granted to people who have been displaced from their houses during a natural disaster. If they have no houses, they are not refugees. We ended up bringing hundreds of them into uh, the church that I served, along with their families and their pets. It was a big calamitous affair. Pretty much almost drove me out of the ministry uh, and dried up about most of the patience that that church had with me, save for the fact that nobody died during that storm. It was very unusual that nobody died. I spent a week at the church trying to minister to folks, feed them, make sure that things stayed where they were supposed to stay. You know, I said at the start, we're not serving meals. If people want to bring food in, we can do box lunches or something like that. But this is a warming shelter. It's a roof over your head. We cannot be expected to do hundreds of meals. We're a church, not an emergency shelter. And I had forgotten that this was at the exact same time that Auntie Sahida Nadim was living in my office. Literally had been living in my office for about two years at that point. And the church kitchen was her kitchen. And so it was not my uh, authority to decide who ate and who didn't eat. And so uh, the people were fed a great deal of good Pakistani food. Uh, Sahida herself had no home, was couldn't exit the church for threats of deportation, cooked food for all of the people who stayed in that church. But I won't forget one night on that bitterly cold uh, uh, week I was in the church. I hadn't slept. We were out of, running out of volunteers and running out of patients and running out of everything else. And a young man came to me and he was probably 23 or 24 years old. And uh, he said, Pastor, um, my friend and I were traveling through Kalamazoo and we got trapped by the storm. He's with me. He is, uh, he's changing his mind about Christians. He had a, very, had a very low opinion of the church. He wants to take communion. He said, can the three of us take communion, you and me and my friend? I said, of course. I hadn't occurred to me, but we went, in, the three of us, into the sacristy, and there was the communion bread and the chalice and the grape juice, and I got some stools, and we sat. I was so tired, I didn't know what to expect. I did, by rote, muscle memory, the Eucharist, said the words, spoke the prayers, broke the bread, passed the cup around. And I looked up and I saw Moses and Prophet Elijah and Jesus Christ. There is 
a kind of spiritual blindness that prevails amongst Americans, mainline Christians, Protestants, especially this time of year. It goes something like, miracles are metaphors. Uh, miracles in Revelation are simply uh, products of a bygone primitive age, have no place in our enlightened world. Um, I reject this thinking entirely out of hand. I think that you have to work very, very, very hard to indoctrinate children, for example, into believing that magic isn't real. I think that the natural disposition of human beings is in fact to see with spiritual eyes, look out into a world, and be astounded by the miraculous. That's popping off like fireworks all around you. If you can just get over yourself a little bit, open your eyes and see. I'm not big on New Year's uh, uh, resolutions. I'm uh, per not a particularly motivated guy on the best of days, and I don't like to set myself up for a personal disappointment. So I don't make many. <laughs> I don't need that. I don't need that, those expectations in my life. But what I will say is that at this time of year, I will make a very conscious effort to remember that miracles are real, that the Bible is true. Don't confuse factual with true. We take the Bible far too seriously to read it literally. And miracles are real, just as real as you and I. I know this objectively because you are a miracle and I can see you. And I know this subjectively because I have seen God's revelation in my own life usually at times of darkness, stress, and exhaustion when I go back to being that boy that I've forgotten how to be. If you're like me and you don't give much thought to New Year's resolutions, maybe consider this one, that this year I will try a little bit harder to be aware of the miracles that are all around us. And I will do my best to document them, or at least make conscious note of them in my day-to-day -day life. And then you and I will check in with each other a year from now, and we can share some of our observations. Does that sound reasonable? Amen? Amen. <laughs>